Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2. Today, you're here at church on a very special day. Now, every church service is special in my eyes, but then there are some that are a little extra special, you know, like Easter and Mother's Day. That's about it. No, no, today is Pentecost Sunday, which I'm very excited about. And so we're going to celebrate the Holy Spirit today and his work in the earth that began when God poured him out and continues to, because we're still living in the last days upon all flesh. And Acts chapter 2 and and verse 1 says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. One accord meaning one mind, one purpose, not a car. In one place and sudden, no, wait, wait, wait. Is that right? And suddenly? Is that the next verse? Okay. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Where did it come from? A sound came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, say other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Today is the celebration of that day. It's the anniversary of that day, the day of Pentecost. Now, they, these believers had not come together that day for the purpose of speaking in tongues or to have this experience. They came there because they were Jews, and they were there to celebrate the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks, known as Pentecost or the 50th week. And this is Two, uh, the, the second of three annual feasts that the Jews celebrate. So they were there for that reason. They were also there because Jesus told them to go and gather together, to go and wait for the promise of the Father. And he said, when the Holy Spirit uh, comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to bring to your remembrance everything that I, I told you. Um, and, and, and you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, I don't think they had a clue what that looked like or what that meant for them. John the Baptist had at one time said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one mightier than me that's coming. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's interesting on this day that Jesus said you'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And guess what? Now that day has come, the day of Pentecost, and it happened to fall on the day of Pentecost. And that was no accident that it happened on that day. Because God had a restoration in, 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 uh, in mind. Because on that day, many hundreds of years prior, even thousands, on that day of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, a really terrible thing happened in the nation of Israel. And that was that 3,000 people were slaughtered. They had come under a curse because they rose up against Moses and the leadership, and they paid for it with their lives. 3,000 died that day. Fast forward. Between that event and this event that we read about, there was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at, at that event, 
Through that event, God has restored all things. In that event, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Thank God. So God is looking at a reconciled world now. And, and, and so in this day, when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, there were people there from all nations of the world, the scripture says. They were all Jews from different nations of the world. And they'd all come here to celebrate this feast. And they heard these 120 or so people from Galilee, Galileans, speaking in their own language. God performed this amazing miracle. It doesn't say the ones who were speaking in tongues understood the language. It said those that were hearing it understood it in their own language. And they said, how is it that these Galileans, we hear them speaking in our own language? All of us can understand every word that they're saying, and we hear them declaring the wonderful works of God. How is that? And so Peter got up, and he, and he told everybody what was happening. We heard that scripture that Brian read so marvelously to us this morning out of Joel. He said, this is that. This happening right here is that which was spoken by Joel. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And after he brought understanding to what was happening here and presented the gospel to them, the scripture says that 3,000 people were saved that day. And God restored and God reconciled. At, what at one time, a very disastrous thing had happened. But this day, when the Holy Spirit came, life came. When the Holy Spirit came, salvation came. When the Holy Spirit came, restoration came. It's an interesting thing, this gift called tongues that we're going to focus on for the next few minutes. I used to ask this question, and I, I, still from time to time I might just ask the Lord again, because sometimes he, he'll give you a different angle. He'll give you a different thought on your question, maybe a different answer. And so from time to time I'll ask him, and, and I used to really be curious about this, because I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and it was wild, man. It was a wild little church. Um, and so I was used to, I was used to speaking in tongues. I didn't know not everybody did. I didn't know that most people thought that we were weird for doing it. And, uh, I, I had no idea cause that was just my experience. That was my world. And, and so I, I was very comfortable with the atmosphere of people speaking in other tongues and prophecy and tongues and interpretation and all those kinds of things happening in church. A little bit wildly, but yet still, and I wouldn't trade my experience for anything. But as I was growing up, as I grew up, and I, I spoke in tongues long before I even understood what it meant, what the power of it was, what, what the reason for it was. I just did it because like a lot of us Pentecostals back in the day, it was about the experience. But it can't just be about experience. We can't stay ignorant forever and just have experiences. I enjoy those experiences, but it's good to have the reason, the knowledge of why we are doing these things and what the purpose is. And everything that God does, he does out of his love for us. And everything that God does in his gifts is for the purpose of building his church, for the edification of his people. So it's all good. Yeah. 
And so I just did my own personal studying because the Lord asked me a question one day. I'll never forget it. He, he rarely speaks to me like this, and I wish he would do it more often, but he expects me to study and learn about him by reading his word. And quit just relying on some voice to pop up every once in a while. Once in a while, he'll just, there. Lord, don't you do that all the time? But he said this, he said, why do you speak in tongues? He asked me that question, why do you speak in tongues? And I'm, I don't know, I was already married at this point, maybe 23, 24 years old, I don't know, young in our marriage. And I, I said, well, okay, well, I don't know. I don't, I just always have. And he asked me the question again, why do you speak in tongues? I said, because uh, my dad told me to. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. He said, that's not a good enough answer. I said, okay. And that was all he said. That's it? You just asked me that question? That's... So all of a sudden I got a hunger to know. Because the truth is, I was very non-confrontational when it came to this experience in my life. And I didn't like to talk about it with people. I didn't mind sharing Jesus and talking about some good things God does, has done in my life, but I did not want to talk to people about my tongues experience. And I was perfectly fine with people not knowing that I spoke in tongues. I know that none of you are like that. That's just my personal experience. All of you are so bold in it and ready to talk about it at any time. But my experience... <laughs> was that I just didn't, I was, I was yeah. Because I, I'd, I'd already had a couple of experiences where one of my friends asked me, he said, so you speak in tongues? He, was, he went to a church where they didn't believe in that. And uh, I said, yeah. He says, do it. Do it for me. I'm like, I, I'm not a circus monkey. I don't perform on demand for you. Besides that, you're not even going to understand what I'm saying anyway. So I just kind of would shy away from it. Now I'm begging them to ask me to show them. I'm happy to do it. But at that time, I just, so, and the reason was is because I only had experience. I didn't have knowledge of why. I didn't have understanding of why I was doing it. So I was a bit afraid of it. So I just did my own study of it and just walked through the baptism of the Spirit, the, 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 the praying in the Spirit, just did a whole study on it. And once I saw it all throughout Scripture, and once I saw it, especially in the teachings of Paul the Apostle to us Gentiles, and when I read that he said, do not forbid to speak in tongues, I thought, this is important. This was important to God to tell us these things. He really wants us all to have this experience. And so at, once I had studied it and figured out why I do this and, and how powerful it is, from that day forward, I had boldness on me about it. I wanted to talk about it with anybody who would want to talk about it. I was ready to debate and argue with my denominational friends. Those who didn't believe in it, didn't believe it was relevant for today. And there are a lot of people that, that are Christians that don't believe in its relevance and don't believe that everyone should experience this. And I think that everybody should. I think it's important. It's not important for you to go to heaven. Jesus made that way for you. Your faith in him secured your place in heaven. But it sure is helpful here on the earth. 
I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes. Um, go to James chapter 3, if you would. James chapter 3. We're going to be reading a little bit from the Amplified version of the Bible. Anybody like the Amplified? That's the guitar player's edition of the Bible. For we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. I like these verses that are just so real and true. <laughs> Calls us out. And if anyone does not offend in speech or in word, in other words, never says the wrong things. Does that apply to anybody here? Anybody here never say the wrong things? Now, if you're sitting there next to your spouse, you better not raise your hand because they're going to tell on you. (laughs) And never says the wrong things. He is a fully developed character and a perfect man. Look what, look what he's able to do. If he never says the wrong things, he is able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. In other words, control your words, control your life. Control your tongue, control your life. That's what he just said. It also teaches us that when you bridle that tongue and you say the right kinds of things, you unlock your potential. You put your potential into motion or into action. That ability comes to control your life, to control your body. And we all need control over our body because this body's not saved yet. Your spirit's saved. Thank God for that. You're justified by faith. And you're going through a sanctification process right now with your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then there's this day called glorification. Hallelujah. When we get a new body, and that body is going to want to serve God. It's going to, want to, it's going to, it's going to have the same desires that your born-again spirit has right now. It's not going to have all the wrong appetites like it does right now. Right? So you're in this struggle all the time, spirit against flesh and flesh against spirit. But this says that you're able to bridle your whole body. So you unlock this potential in your life by the words that are coming out of your mouth. How many of you believe right now it's important then that you guard what's coming out of your mouth? Hmm? And that you can be purposeful in that way to see everything that God has for you revealed in your life through what's coming out of your mouth. If you don't stumble in words, if you get your words right, now we're talking about coming to maturity as a believer. So it starts with words and ends in action. You unlock not only your own personal potential, but you can unlock the potential in other people's lives too. Because with our words, we can create or we can destroy. We can build up or we can tear down. We can encourage or we can discourage. We can produce life and we can produce death. I remember one time, my dad uh, is someone who has helped unlock a lot of potential in my life. He's the reason why I'm, I'm in the ministry and uh, why I'm doing what I'm doing in large part. First, it was a call of God on my life at the age of 10, but then my dad began to help direct me and see things in me that I didn't see and pull that potential out. And one of those such times was I was actually 
living here, and, and I went up to Christ for the Nation, down to Christ for the Nations at south of us, there in South Dallas, where Dad was teaching at the time the class I teach now called homiletics, which is the art and science of preaching. And so I went in just to sit and listen to him teach uh, this one morning. I was sitting amongst the students, and, and all of a sudden, my dad looks at me and says, Eric, stand up and preach faith to the class right now. I was like, so I was a, panicked and a bit embarrassed that he called me out in front of everybody, but I knew what he was doing because I've known how my dad operates in ministry for years and knew what he was up to. Dad wasn't there to try to embarrass me. He was there to actually teach me something as well as the students. He'd been talking out of the book of Timothy where Paul uh, exhorted Timothy to be instant in season and out of season. And so the student's lesson there was to, to learn to be instant in season and out of season. And my learning process was to demonstrate it right now. Now, Dad had done this kind of thing to me before, but not quite like this. And usually he gave me at least two minutes warning. Like he would lean over me and say, hey, by the way, you're going to receive offering this morning at church. I'm like, why are you telling me that right now? And that's in two minutes. So get something together. It was part of my training. So I learned to come to church. <laughs> yeah. See, now I get to be him. And yeah, it's... I learned to be ready, though. I learned to prepare before I got there, always expecting Dad to tell me I was going to preach. Well, I didn't expect him to do this today. I was just going to come sit in class and just kind of hide amongst the students. But now he has called for me to instantly preach. No warning. Just this is it. But see, I had prepared sermons and preached sermons in the past and spent lots of time in the Scripture. I knew I was called to do this. So I stood up when he told me to do it. And I preached faith to the class. I don't remember what I said, but I'm positive it was really good. <laughs> but I, knowing that I had that potential all along, but that potential was not known until dad had called on it. And your potential will not be known until you call on it, until you declare it, get it in your mouth. Your potential is found in these promises that God has promised you. He keeps showing you what life can be. This is what it can look like for you. I'm your healer. I am your restorer. I'm the one who provides for you. I am the one who's here for you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm the one who gives you not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's your potential. And you can have that if you'll start getting it in your mouth and let your tongue lead you in that direction. Let's continue to read James chapter 3. Hmm. Everybody all right? Is this helping you today so far? If we set bits in the horse's mouth, now James is going to give us a couple of illustrations about what our tongue and our head does. If we set bits in the horse's mouth to make them obey us, we can turn their whole bodies about. Likewise, look at the ships. Though they are so great and are driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Even so, the tongue is a little member and it can boast of great things. See how much wood or how great a forest a tiny spark 
can set ablaze. I want to read the, the message translation of that verse right there. It says, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. Go back to verse 6 now, and the tongue is a fire. Now, you're about to get really encouraged by these next couple of verses. The tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness. Amen. Set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body. Thank you, Lord. And setting on fire the wheel of birth, the cycle of man's nature, being itself ignited by hell. Can I get an amen in the house today? All right. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea animal can be tamed and has been tamed by human genius or nature, but the human tongue can be tamed by no man. It is a restless, undisciplined, irreconcilable evil full of deadly poison. Don't you feel good right now about that tongue in your mouth? So encouraging. You could take this moment right now and make an excuse of why you talk to your spouse the way you do. Sorry, honey, it's set on fire of hell. I can't help it. (laughs) Scripture says I can't tame this thing. (laughs) You can't tame it, but you can control it. You can't contain it. Contain it. You can't, cannot tame it, but you can control it. In other words, you're not going to change the nature of the tongue. You can't make it, can't give the tongue a new desire. All right? Come on, you guys have lived long enough to understand this. That it's so much easier to say negative and evil than good and positive. It's just easy. That's the nature of the tongue. It's so much easier to be mean and to smart off and to be sarcastic and to bite one another. It's so much easier to lie. Anybody can do that. That's easy. But controlling that tongue is what we have to remember. I can't help it. I just say what's on my mind. No, you can't help it, and we all wish you would. (laughs) Give us a break. We're all in this fight together, all right? We all can control our tongues, so do it. Do the world a favor. Do yourself a favor. Do God a favor, and watch what's coming out of your mouth. Prayerfully, carefully, thoughtfully consider because you're unlocking potential for good or evil, life or death, blessing or cursing, healing or disease. Hmm? God's given us a great responsibility, hasn't he? I, I, I seriously wish, I really do wish that I could just be a Calvinist. (laughs) Life would be so much simpler that way if I just believed everything was all God's purpose and plan and I'm just the pawn in the game. I wouldn't have to take responsibility for anything I did. Well, it was all in God's plan. I could just say, well, that was God's plan. (laughs) It was God's will. It was his sovereign plan. And that would be nice. 
I can't. I've read too much scripture. And found out that God has put the responsibility on me and you to guide our lives by guiding our tongues. You can say some really good, kind, thoughtful things today. And then tomorrow you'll wake up and your tongue will act like it forgot about all of that. Let's continue to read this, because watch what James says. With it, we bless the Lord and Father. Yeah, that happens on Sundays, doesn't it? Until we get in the parking lot. And with it, we curse men who cut us off in the parking lot, who are made in God's likeness. Come on, you, you all know the struggle, don't you? Out of the same mouth come forth blessing and cursing. These things, my brethren, ought not to be so. And if you are looking for someone as an example of how to guard their tongue, please don't look to any of these people running for office. They just want your vote. And they will say whatever they want to. They'll contradict themselves day after day to to get your vote. So listen, we got to look to a greater example. And what we have here is the Bible is full of God's word given to us so that we can get those words in our mouth and train our tongue to say what God has said so that we can have his potential known in our lives. Isn't that beautiful? Now, to, now I understand today we're talking about tongues and I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But I, I, but I have to preface it with this so that we understand why God chose to do this Seeming silly thing. Why did God, why does the baptism of the Spirit look like, sound like gibberish? I've been speaking in tongues all my life, and to this day, I still think it's weird. <laughs> I still don't get it. But I practice it. The reason is because I've seen the result of doing it. I've experienced the power of it. It's it's too real. But the understanding of what I'm saying, ah, no clue. Like I was in India a few years ago, been there several times, and I've told you this before. But this their language there, it's there. It's called Tamil, T-A-M-I-L. And when they. I was in the car with the pastor, and he's driving along, and his brother calls him on the phone. And so he starts talking to his brother, and I promise you, this is what it sounded like. I'm like, you're saying two syllables. That guy was having a whole conversation. I had no clue what he was saying. It sounded like foolishness to me. (laughs) My mind was very unfruitful at that moment. I got nothing out of that conversation. But between them, a lot of things were being said and accomplished because they understood the language. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. This language of the Spirit is outside of the realm of our reasoning and thinking and understanding. Now, 
Can I just say this? As a man, as a, as a natural man, I don't like that. Am I the only one here? I don't like that. I don't like not understanding it. If I'm just talking about me, this fleshly, carnal man, <laughs> I don't like that because we, we like to understand things. We want to know why this works this way. What does this mean? But this thing just is like, it baffles me. And I found out that that's a really good thing that that baffles me. I get a lot of perks and advantages by not understanding it. It actually works better for me that I don't understand it than I do. Because Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Now listen, I know how to pray. And you're grateful for that. I mean, you would hope your pastor would know how to pray. I do know how to pray. But I don't always know what to pray. Paul made that admission right there. He's throwing himself in that. We don't always know. We don't know what to pray for as we are, But the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The weakness is our finite mind. The weakness is our finite understanding, our own reasoning, because we can screw our prayers up big time just by our own stinking thinking. Amen. Right? So it's important then that we get the right kind of understanding, the right kind of knowledge, I should say, the right way to pray so that our prayers become more effective. I don't know about you, but I've, I've prayed prayers and felt like my prayers were going nowhere. I felt like nothing was really being accomplished in my prayers. And sad to say, more often than not, I've depended on my own understanding rather than tapping into this thing called the gift of the Spirit, this prayer language of the Spirit, to help me in that. I've been wrapped up in my own thing, thinking I know what to do here without real understanding of what's going on. You know, it's easy to forget when, you, when you're just looking at the things that you see to just keep in, way back in the recesses of your mind and life that you are a spirit. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, which is made up of your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, your reasoning, and you live in this body. But you, the essence of who you are is spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And if we don't pray according to the spirit, then we're going to miss out on a lot of things of the spirit. If we only pray how we know, and you should pray how, how you know, but you should not limit yourself to just that. If God has offered something else, there's a reason why he's offered something else. Yeah. Amen. There's a reason why. Yeah. He didn't do this to embarrass us, to make us look like fools. And let me tell you something. The people there that day that were listening to these Galileans speaking those languages and praying in other tongues, they were mocking them. They were accusing them of being drunk, they were confused about what was going on until Peter stood up and gave sense to it, helped him understand. And he didn't get that except by revelation from God because no man could really put those things together. But now that Peter had the Holy Spirit, what Jesus said was true. He would guide him. He would lead him. He would teach him all things. So the Holy Spirit now, when you got saved, when you put your faith in Christ for salvation, the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of you forever. Thank God for that. Aren't you grateful for that? That right now as a believer, the Spirit of God is living in you? This is how saved you are. 
that the Holy Spirit feels perfectly comfortable living inside of you. Jesus had to do that. There's no way we could clean ourselves up enough to make the Holy Spirit feel good about living inside of us. But the fact that his blood eradicated our sins, that God would not impute our sins to us, he would not count them against us any longer, and that now he would see us as the righteousness of God in him. Old things are gone and new things have come. He would see us as holy and blameless and above reproach and dare to call us saints. The Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. Jesus said in, Mark, in John chapter 4 that it's a, he, it's a fountain springing up unto everlasting life. But that's not the only experience of the Spirit he wants us to have. That's a good experience. It's wonderful. But there's this other experience where he said, I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Not in, on all flesh. There's this indwelling, but it also has an ondwelling. It's like the Holy Ghost wearing a Holy Ghost sandwich. <laughs> and the ondwelling is known by tongues. There's a lot of funny ideas about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. A lot of ding-dongs out there saying the wrong thing about it. <laughs> but the scripture clearly teaches us what it is. That it is speaking in other tongues. Peter said, do you remember when Cornelius and his family got baptized in the Holy Spirit? Peter's preaching the gospel. He says, those that heard the word, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on them and they all start speaking in tongues. They didn't even say a prayer to ask Jesus in their heart. That messes with me a little bit. I'll be honest with you. No, we didn't. They didn't sign the commitment card. I wonder where all those traditions came from. And they all start speaking in tongues. And then Peter said, when he was recounting that day, he said, oh, then I remembered. When we heard them speak in tongues, then I remembered the words of the Lord. How he said, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, Peter knew that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues. Everybody back then knew it was. But men, through their reasoning, listen to me, through their reasoning have made it something else. Because they lack the experience of it and the power of it, so then they, because they try to reason the things of the Spirit rather than walk in them, believe them. And you can't do that. You can't reason them. Look what happens in 1 Corinthians 14. I'm almost through. Almost. For he who speaks in tongues, in a tongue, does not speak to men, but to God. Just give you a few benefits of this and remind you, some of you... Uh, you know, I think a lot of you already pray in the Spirit, but let me just help shore you up in this thing and, 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 and give you a, a greater desire and hunger for it. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Look at that. Now, how cool is that? This is another way. God has offered us another way to talk to Him. All right? For no one understands Him. However, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. If you look that up, it, acts, it literally means the secrets of God. That God would give us this gift and entrust us, <laughs> entrust us to declare his secrets in the earth. That all happens in the spirit, by the spirit. Why does he want to do that? I don't know. I don't know, but he's got a reason. 
And he needs our voice to declare that. Isn't it so cool that your spirit man has the ability to have your physical voice to speak the things of God? Well, let's, let's go to the next, uh, the next verse. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue, look at this other benefit, edifies himself. Anybody need to be edified here today? Maybe not today. Maybe tomorrow. Hmm? He who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds himself up. Jude said it like this, but you, my beloved brethren, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? So you edify, you strengthen, you repair, you restore, you build yourself up on your most holy faith. This, this is awesome. There's a lot of good reasons to speak in tongues already. Let's go down to verse 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. For if I pray in a tongue, now Paul's going to help us give some real good understanding here of what is happening. I like this. It doesn't, tell, <laughs> it doesn't tell us that we understand what's going on, but it helps us see the result of what's going on. All right? Not that we have to understand the language, but it's showing us the result of that language. We speak to God, not to men. We speak the mysteries or the secrets of God. We build ourselves up. A lot of good things happening by praying in the Spirit. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Oh, okay. Thank you, Paul. That helps me. Does that help you today? When you pray in tongues, does anybody here understand a word they're saying when they're praying in tongues? Because I'd like to talk to you at a service. Maybe you can help me and lay hands on me and give me that same understanding. I don't understand what I'm saying. You understand what you're saying? What does your mind do when you pray in tongues? My mind starts thinking about something other than spiritual things. It never wants to think about spiritual things. It just goes to wonder. It thinks about what I'm, what I'm going to eat next. I'm always thinking about what's next to eat. That's all I do between meals. What's next to eat? It's starting to show, and I have to stop. The mind's not, the mind, the, so what's cool about that is, this should encourage you, believer, that at that moment you understand something, something marvelous is happening. Because if your mind is wondering why you're praying, then you can't be making that up. It's impossible for me to stand up here and my mind wonder because I'm working on this conversation. All of my thinking and capacity are, are involved in this making of words here. Huh? But when I pray in the Spirit, the mind wonders. Something, then something else is making that happen. Paul said, this is what's happening. Your spirit's praying. Your mind's not involved in that. My family, we need to thank God for that. Because we have this weakness, as Paul said. We don't know what to pray as we ought. But what if my spirit is praying? What could happen in that? Anything is possible when my spirit's praying. Do you think your spirit man knows what the will of God is? Yes, it knows what the will of God is because he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That is, the spirit man's desire is the same as God's desire. The spirit man's will is the same as God's will. And when you pray in the spirit, you pray the will of God. And if you pray the will of God, according to 1 John chapter 5, you know that he hears you. And if you know that he hears you, then you know that you have what you've asked for. Wow. Maybe. Maybe if you feel stifled, maybe if you feel stagnant in your prayer life, maybe just spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. Let's see if there maybe will be a breakthrough. Yeah. Right. 
I'm not talking about a 30 seconds here. I'm talking about really setting yourself in and praying until you see something shake loose, until you see something happen in your life. Because God is on your side, and he wants to help you in your time of need. He is here for you. But if we don't open our mouths, we're never going to see that potential put into action. That responsibility is solely on us. So our, our understanding is unfruitful. Now, a couple more verses. Watch this. What is the conclusion then? Think about this for a moment. Paul says, what's the conclusion then? If I'm praying and my spirit man is praying, but I don't understand this. Now, the reasonable man, I'm going back to me, Eric Holler, right here in the flesh. The reasonable man is going to say, I'm not even doing that. That's the conclusion. If I don't understand it, you can forget about it. But that's not what the Apostle Paul concluded. He said, what's the conclusion? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray also with the understanding. Wow, what a revelation. I'll just do both. I'll pray how I understand, and I'll pray how I don't understand. Because any way that I can get access to God, I'm taking it. There's a reason why he wants me to do this. There's a reason why God has given this gift. And a lot of the reasons we see here in Scripture. But then there are those secret reasons, that mysterious reason. I don't know what it is, but I know it has to be good if it's coming from God. I will also sing with the Spirit, and I also sing with the understanding. I'm going to take advantage of every way to have access to God. I'm going to take advantage of every way to communicate to Him, to pray, and to sing to Him. Why not, huh? Whatever God's handing out, I want. And he says, notice here, he says, I will pray in the Spirit. I will. See, God's not going to do it unless you will it to happen. My Pentecostal upbringing, we used to blame stuff on the Holy Ghost all the time. <laughs> I did. I couldn't help it. The Holy Ghost just got all over me. I was out of control. No, I'm sorry. It don't work like that. It doesn't work like that. God's not going to, he's not going to abandon his law of your free choice. And your will to be involved. I know. It's cute, but it's ignorant. They were just trying to figure out how to describe their experience. I understand that. They just didn't know how to say it. So the Holy Ghost gets all the blame. <laughs> no, I will. This is on you. This is on you. The gift is yours. God says, you want to unwrap it and use it? You can. Paul said, I, pray, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all of you. He must have done it all the time to be able to say that. And look what came with Paul. All this revelation of the grace of God. It was he who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Do you think maybe there's a connection between praying in the Spirit as much as he did and that kind of revelation. Just maybe. Last verse. Otherwise, verse 16, if you bless with the Spirit, wow, that's another thing that's happening when you're praying in the Spirit. You're blessing with the Spirit. If you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say, in other words, how, 
Is everybody else in the room going to say amen at your giving of thanks? Oh, so when you pray in the Spirit, you're giving thanks to God. That's what Paul said. So you see then that the, the tongue is from man to God. Now, what I think is interesting is, what I find a little bit puzzling is my, most of my experience in a church setting where there is a, someone stands up and gives a tongue and someone gives an interpretation, that the tongue is to God, but the interpretation is always to man. I never understood that. Why? Shouldn't the interpretation be to God if that's what the tongue is? Because if, if the interpretation is going to sound just like a prophecy, take the tongues out. Let's just skip that step if it's going to be the same thing. We've missed out, is all I'm saying. We've missed out really on, on the Bible way to have tongue and interpretation. The tongue should sound like a prayer of thanksgiving to God. It should sound like declaring the wonderful works of God. Because that's what those other people heard. They didn't hear them going, thus saith the Lord, I say unto you... Uh, wherever you're from, Meads. No, they heard them worshiping God. That, what they heard in interpretation was they were declaring the wonderful works of God. Almost every time growing up and hearing that, somebody stand up, blah, 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 yabba, dabba, 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 Then they would sit down, somebody would say, my children. Like, well, well, that's not the interpretation. Now, that might be a prophecy, but the, we didn't get the interpretation. Okay. And that's, I just don't like that. I want to have Bible experience. Don't you? Anybody else with me here? And listen to me, if we never have tongue interpretation again done the wrong way, I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> totally fine. Hardly ever is it very encouraging. All right. Most of the time it's weird. Most of the time it's just like, mm, hopefully somebody says something. Hopefully somebody interprets. Y'all remember? I mean, anybody else know what I'm talking about? You know, you sit in church, somebody's going off, and then it just gets real quiet. Huh? Hmm. Hurry up, make something up, Martha. <laughs> let me just say, let me just say, I think a good safe interpretation would just be, thank you, Jesus. That's what they said. That's what they were saying. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. Let's move on. For indeed, you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So what's the purpose of this? For the edification of you, for the church, if there's an interpretation. And if it doesn't edify others, keep your mouth shut. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.